Welcome to The Table. Welcome to The Table is a podcast put on by the good people of Pulpit Rock Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's an opportunity for us to invite you to sit at a table with us as we have conversations about things that we find interesting or helpful in our journey with God. And we are in the middle of this season having a conversation, and so we're going to be diving back into that conversation right now. We've talked about a little scenario before, Emily, that I just, I loved your feedback on when, not if, when your little ones do get into a spot that they can't get out of, climb a little too high or get up into a tree, you know, that, that, that they don't know the way down. I can recall my girls being, you know, three and four and, and I, without having this language, I would, I would want them to, to go as high as you can and be strong and, and try it out and test the limits. But truly the moment that any, either of them would say, I'm stuck or show any amount of fear. I really appreciated being big and strong and being able just to grab them by the waist and you did so good and just pull them right down to me. And you, you mentioned a scenario one time where I think one of your girls did that and, and tell me about kind of the different approach that you took. Yeah. So with my daughters, my oldest is really our climber. So she's always just been wanting to climb, which is kind of funny because she's also my more cautious child. And so there's been a lot of this kind of directing her through how she's feeling and trying to equip her because I know she wants this, but I also know that she has a tendency um, in her early years climbing at two, she would a little bit panic. And of course, as a parent, like you said, like when your child's panicking, you want to rescue them and maybe even more so with our daughters unintentionally, we want to rescue them. So when she was two and she would climb, we're talking, she'd be like two feet off the ground like really tiny, but she feels like she's a million feet in the air. So when she would start to panic, um, the first thing that I started teaching her was what's the number one rule of climbing. And I'd say, stay calm. Cause we know how our brains work, right? When we're in a state of panic, we can't think through solutions. So while it's always good to feel our emotions, in some cases we need to stop that for a minute so that we can become safe. And then we can process that. Um, so anytime I ask her, I'll say, what's the number one rule of climbing? She'll say, stay calm. So if I ever see her panic now, we're a couple years into using the strategy and she like really like snaps it into gear. So just that grit and that resilience she's building. And then from there, when she's kind of takes a deep breath. So we do deep breaths to kind of bring in that calm when she's panicking, we'll do deep breaths. And then I'll say, let's look around. And sometimes um, I'll say, would you like me to help you find a way down? Because sometimes she just needs to calm down and then she can do it. And sometimes she needs to calm down and then she's like, no, I need some, I need some help. So instead of just rescuing her, I'll say, okay, let's, I'll touch the foot since, you know, they're on a tree. They can't really see. I'll touch the foot that I see might have a space to go. And I'll say, where can this foot go? Um, Do you want to go up or down? And she'll say down. And I'll say, okay, right down here. I see this little part where you could put your foot. Why don't you try reaching down for that spot? Um, So it's really just this step-by-step Like, where can we go next? And empowering her to make those decisions. So if the first time I kind of show her where to go, I'll say, now, why don't you look around? So now she's had a success. You know, she might put that foot down where I said, and now she feels like she has some control. She has some movement going. So now she'll be more able to potentially find her own next step. And usually that's what it is. I might give her one or two spots to go, and then she kind of gets her momentum again, and that fear kind of dissipates, and she's able to act. Um, And then sometimes after she wants to talk about She'll kind of look down and look at the tree and say, is that where I was? And you can see her problem solving and doing her own critical thinking. 
And she just goes higher and higher. Like she's starting, it's getting to the point where I'm like, okay, so I said I trust my children and now she's up on this huge rock and I'm down here and I can't even keep up. So now it's a lot more like having to set those kind of hazard barriers of like, when you get there, stop until I can see you. Um, but it is amazing seeing her blossom from a very cautious, but wanting to try to mom, I'm capable. Like, come on. Mm. Like, it's yeah. so good, Emily. Like there are going to be situations in her life as a teenager and the stakes are going to feel a lot higher. Um, it probably not as much a physical danger, but maybe her heart's in danger situations that you're going to see very clearly what the answer is. And I think this is the, the struggle all of us parents have. We have the experience. We've been through this phase before. We can see what our kid needs to do. And it is counterintuitive for us to hold our tongue and help lead them to the answer themselves instead of just give it to them or, or yank them out of the situation or say, we're done with this. This is what you've got to do. But gosh, the better thing is to connect with their heart and help them to connect to their heart and give them the options. What do you think you could do with this situation, you know, with this friend or with this relationship or this, this tricky thing that you're in? What are some options where you think just like the way that you approached your little girl with the foothold, where could this foot go? Just simple steps like that. It's so good. That truth just, it translates no matter what age your kid is, no matter, no matter what phase you're in. It's really good stuff. So it's like practice early, right? Like get your kids yes. out in nature and practice without even knowing it. Yes. Because I've never like, I've never made that connection to how she might emotionally feel in her later years. And we're going to be a very similar process of, mm -hmm. yeah, I really love that. I've never thought of that. So Emily, I had a question. I'm thinking about your philosophy and kind of some of the ways that you're parenting and then yet you're parenting with Nick, your husband. And so uh, how, how did you two come to agreement on that? Because I know a lot of times when parents have young kids, these are, it's a lot of uncharted territory. And do we agree on this? Uh, how does Nick, does Nick let your daughters just climb as high as they can? Like, how are you and Nick handling some of this parenting philosophy together? Yeah, that is such a phenomenal question. Because um, if anyone, if you were to know my husband, he um, actually is an author. He appreciates the outdoors, but it's not like his thing. Like This is like kind of my thing. Um, so in the beginning, as since it started so young and so early, I think he kind of knows me and knows my heart. So I don't think he was at all surprised. Um, but it is very different from the way he grew up. So a lot of his sometimes um, first gut reaction to things would be, of course, the way we grew up, right? That's our instinct. That's where we came from. Um, so parenting together has been a little bit of navigating that and growing together in it. But as far as the outdoor stuff, he is like our support for like how to actually do stuff outdoors. So he grew up in scouts. He grew up camping all the time. So he knows how to make a fire. He knows how to go backpacking. He knows how to do the tent. Um, where I'm more the like experiential, like, oh, I like sitting in the forest and I don't have any skills. So <laughs> we actually make a really good pair for that. So he loves taking care of that equipment side. So let's say we're going camping as a family. He's all over, you know, getting the camping bin out, checking everything, making sure it's ready. Um, we get to the camps that he sets everything up while I kind of play with the kids in nature. So we kind of have our own niches in this. So he's kind of the one who has the skills and I kind of have the passion so what that looks like is, you know, sometimes we'll go to a campsite and it's not his favorite thing to just go watch the kids climb trees. So he'll be like, let me put the fire together. Let me work a little bit. Um, and then he's phenomenal at supporting. He sees our girls' capabilities too. You know, he's been with them this whole time as well. So he has never, I don't think he's ever thought, we're kind of on the same page. So when he's climbing up a tree, let's say she's like six feet up in the air, 
he kind of feels the same calmness that I do because he knows her just as well as I do. And he's been on this journey with me. Um, I'm sure I talk about this stuff all the time without realizing I'm even talking about it. So he's probably internalized a lot of it too. So while it's not his passion, I think that he is firmly on board and then he's found his own niche in having the skills to have us accomplish some of the bigger outdoor stuff that I'd love to do, like camping, backpacking, those things that require not just loving nature, but like some survival things, you know, and being well equipped for it. What would, Emily, what would be something, uh, imagine that there's a parent with some young kids or someone who's to think about having kids. What would your hope be that they would take away from our conversation? Yeah, my hope would be, you know, as this is happening, like, I think the most important thing is to find, reconnect and find your connection with nature, mm-hmm. right? Remember that a lot of us had childhoods that had more nature than our society's kids have now. So reconnect with that. Where were your spaces where you go? What did that do for you? You know, having that spot in your backyard when you weren't feeling great, you would just go sit in. What was that like? And then think about how to intentionally make that happen in our lives today, because I don't think unstructured time and let alone unstructured time outside is something that is built into our society as a value. So I think it's really important to reconnect yourself and then make a commitment, knowing those, that importance to start habits you know, habits, you have to do it for a while for it to become a habit and start young. Cause when you start young, it's a lot less overwhelming. Like you were saying, Thomas, I've been doing this forever. So it doesn't feel like a lot of work. It just feels like a slow build. You grow with your child. So even if you, maybe you didn't spend a lot of time in nature, but you're hearing this and you're like, Oh, I would love to get my kids outside. And what does that look like? Start where you are. Do not feel like you need to go run into the middle of the wilderness with your kids. And you're like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Go to that playground. That's that's good. Yeah. You know, there's nothing bad about playgrounds. If that's where you start and that's where you feel comfortable and safe, start there. Then start branching out to the forest next to the playground, you know, seek out another spot. So just take it as you come. And there's tons of people you can follow. There's a great um, Ginny who runs a thousand hours outside. It's kind of like a challenge and it has you structure time outside and it matches the amount of time that we're said to spend on technology. So apparently um, kids spend a thousand hours a year on technology. So her whole goal with her program is to let's match that with nature. Let's find balance because balance is everything in our life, right? So let's balance this kind of an um, online time with something that gives our kids space to grow and space to be themselves and space to disconnect from that constant connection um, to, you know, the internet world. You said a Ginny? Her name's Ginny. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, sorry. Her name's Ginny. It's like a Ginny. And like, <laughs> what is that? I, yes, um, Ginny from A Thousand Hours Outside is her program. I had just read, we did an episode on screens okay. earlier in the season. And one, yeah. uh, one of the things I just read yesterday, I think it was a screenager's email. Um, I think I had this right, but that the average teenager spends like seven hours and 40 minutes a day. <gasps> oh, you know, they might be at school. It might be right. at a computer screen, but it's, it's all that. And mm. Um, what you just said, I was thinking, even with our kids, uh, I, I think most parents listening would go, are, there's no parent that would say, my kids don't <laughs> spend enough time on screens. But uh, what I like about what we're saying is start them early, because I know that it's easy for a lot of parents to just use screens or technology with young mm-hmm. kids. Like, well, let's just get them, you know, doing stuff or mm-hmm. they're quiet, they're, they're playing. But yeah. it takes a lot of, it takes a lot more attention, what you're talking about. Right. But what's phenomenal and what people don't realize is once you get your kids outside, it's, I get to relax like I'm watching TV. So your kids get occupied so fast. And I think the amount of time is like 30 minutes to 45 minutes outside. And then that's when they start getting into their deep play and their deep engagement with nature to where most of the time, like that's when I relax. Like when I'm inside, there's always some mess being made. There's always this, don't jump on the couch. Don't do this. And nature, throw that stick. Like you might give them some boundaries of like, all right, look at your stick. 
look at your space around you. Always say, check your space. Because I don't want to just say, don't throw that stick. Like throwing sticks is dangerous, but like check your space. If there's no one around, throw the stick. Right. So there's this freedom in nature to where you're not constantly on your kids or constantly overwhelmed by the mess. You're in nature. It gets messy. It's inherently messy. And the longer you're there, the more you get to relax as a parent, just like not having to entertain your kids. They are entertained. And not only are they entertained, but they're like I talked in the beginning, they're developing these core things beautifully. Um, You're talking about screen screens. And that made me think about eyesight. We were made to be outside where there's this changing light all the time. And so actually our eye health is deterior- deteriorating um, in countries um, where technology is really high. Like we think about um, some countries in Asia where there's a lot of technology use. They're seeing a huge increase of nearsightedness because their eyes aren't and their pupils and the different parts of their eye aren't changing and engaging with sunlight and being used so we're not using our bodies and our eyes the way that they were designed to be to where we're ha- having issues we've never had, like tons of oh. nearsightedness just because oh. we're not outside. So when you're outside, you can not only like relax a little bit, like especially if you've been doing it your whole life, it's your kids know what to do. They're happy. They're entertained. But they're literally developing the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a lot of tactile issues. If your kids are out in the mud from when they're little babies, a lot less chance of that. Um, we forget about a sense called the vestibular sense. Have you guys ever heard of that? I think so. Vestibular. So uh, you know, I'm talking <laughs> about that this morning. <laughs> yeah. So what that is, it's kind of like the sense of your body's your body awareness. So it all has to do with being allowed to move freely. So when you kids see kids just spinning around and round, maybe like stop doing that. Like or those on the playgrounds used to have those ones, and you have one in, in the park near. Um, Garden yeah. of the Gods, yeah. where it goes yeah. round and round, you know, and people just see them as dangerous. But that's a sense of body awareness, de- developing um, your balance and knowing where your body is in space and being able to move. So it goes along with agility. If we don't give kids freedom of movement, then they have problems moving later. Their gait might not be as good. Their strength in different places of their body um, and just, yeah, an awareness of that. And then socially kids outside. So the best part is when you go somewhere in nature and there's other kids there. You could be there for hours. They start engaging with each other. They build their own rules. You think about this back in the day when um, baseball was super big in American history, right? All the kids would just grab their gear and you would just go and you meet up with other kids. There's no adults saying, okay, here's the rules. Listen to me. There's kids negotiating all these things. So you're talking about kind of like a model of democracy in kid world. They're practicing mm-hmm. how to be adults through negotiation, through listening, because the ultimate goal is play, right? That's what all kids want to do is play. And so they're willing to compromise what they want, um, really listen to other people because the goal is play and play is cooperative. And that's in life, right? We want to cooperate. Yeah. We want to be successful. And so by structuring kids so much, keeping them inside, being on, having them on screens, you're losing some of that learning that we don't have to control. Like learning isn't a product of teaching. They just need the space to have that learning because they were designed by God to do this. So... Yeah, start them young and set them up. Well, I want to make sure that our listeners can find you, Emily. Where where can we find you online in all in all the things? (laughs) So we are on Instagram at These Kids Are Wild, on Facebook, These Kids Are Wild, and then um, www.thesekidsarewild.com. So pretty straightforward. Great. Be sure and check it out. And uh, we'll have in the show notes the book that you mentioned. Um, sounds like a great resource as well. The Last Child in the Woods. Yeah, by Richard Louvre. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Emily. But before we go, I realized something. So there are three of us here today. 
and I know you guys pretty well. All of us are Enneagram nine wing eights. Mm. <laughs> Did you guys realize that? <laughs> you know, I just had a sense of connection. I know. Uh, with, with that. Yeah. And um, Emily and I have talked before about the fact we are both married to men who are eights, mm-hmm. which is our wing, which we've kind of agreed has has helped to foster a little bit of a, I don't know, a stronger connection to that eight wing. Definitely. And Thomas, I know, I know your wife pretty well. She's not an eight, but she is a very strong personality. She's a three, and she's a three, she's and a there's three. a there's a nine three six connection. My right. daughter is a six. Okay. And so the, there's kind of that that, mm. that little piece that we have together. But I like um, I heard someone say this about a nine eight wing that the eight in me did something that my nine's going to have to make up for. Oh, so yep. true. <laughs> that <laughs> happens like that. to me all the time. And yep. there is something else we have in common. Um, I know that it's said about nines that we have a great deep connection to nature and a need mm-hmm. to be outside to kind of refill that that well of peace. I know that's true for me. You guys can resonate with that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what's funny? about uh, So much of the Enneagram has helped me explain some things in my life. And one of the things that's always been true of me is I've always worked inside, but I, I've always had to have a window or I've even in some places like I would have to just go outside for a minute. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and this thought or I'd, I'd take my stuff to a park and that's where I would do my you know writing and stuff like that. So there, there is that, that thing that I, I've loved. Yeah, I I would just chalk it up to like the little bit of hippie that I have. But <laughs> yeah. I think it is it is a deep it's deeper than that. I do believe that as nines that is the way God made us. And right. I definitely reconnect to God and just to myself right. when I'm outside. Just rest. We we need all the rest we can get. Oh yeah. Nines, you know. You know, the best thing is a nap outside. <laughs> like yeah, in hammocks, a hammock. Hammock life. Yes, all yes. the way. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thanks for being here with us today, Emily. Yeah, we're excited about having you. This was great. Thank you, guys. Obviously, I love talking about this stuff, so it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Good. Thanks. Thanks.